Hello, Happy New Year. I'm Ryan Lichten. I'm here with Parks Miller. You're listening to Culture Dumps. This is the first dump of 2022. Happy New Year. Happy Year 2. Yeah. AC. 2AC. Anno COVID-y. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so. that's crazy. Uh, I, I, didn't, yeah, that, I mean, I'm sure that that's going to be how time is, is measured. Um, mm-hmm. uh, right off the top, it's Earl Locker, okay? The football player's name from the Lord of the Dance episode is Earl Locker. I know. I said it wrong, and I'm sorry. Multiple people have uh, mentioned that. So, I yes, that now and, you can rest easy because uh, I know how to say it, okay? This fucking guy. And I wasn't... And I couldn't correct it. Um, we didn't have my friend Max, our sports guy. The we sports guy. We got to get our sports our sports desk worked on for sure. Because yeah, I don't think either of us knew that. I, yeah, I blew it. Also, um, when I was listening back, I, I was to that episode. I was like, you know what? I was like, yeah, Flatley seems really sketchy, and that whole secretary story seems uh, like it's got a lot of holes in it. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I looked up, and, and that woman, Tina Robertson or whatever, she is now suing, or, or this was pretty recently. I'm not sure if it's ongoing or not, but she was suing uh, Earl Locker. Um, because she had another husband who had committed suicide, apparently. And I guess in some interview or somewhere publicly, Earl Locker had said something along the like He insinuated that she might have had something to do with that guy's death. And so she's suing him for $125 million. Uh, just, you know, staying in the news, staying in scandal. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Sometimes, yeah, it's just hard to say because some people just manage to be in the news a lot for high profile lawsuits more than the average person so it yeah. kind of it does it does you know i wish i was reality me. a bit you know, what you I mean? know if you if you sue, <laughs> if you like file a 125 million dollar lawsuit against someone chances are you could probably like easily just get like a couple grand like 10 grand out of them like i could just make a living like filing like insanely high lawsuits just to get very low settlements that are just like like look okay you're mm-hmm. suing me for 125 million dollars it's like but i'll take 10 grand cash right now they'll probably just give it to you, <laughs> you know? now this that also reminds me and then this is you know going back to like little podcast 99 vibes but you know the um the astro world um right tragedy uh, Travis Scott has a ten billion dollar lawsuit against him right now. Like, is so he talk every about rich like guy in the world combined number. ten billion dollars? That's yeah. out of control. I mean, that'll never get paid. That will never get no, paid. No, no, no. Yeah, it, no. It, and I mean, it's like when someone gets multiple like really life developing. sentences. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if you give if you give like a serial killer like four hundred years, like Jeffrey Dahmer got like a four hundred year sentence. It's like for what? Just be like, until you fucking die, you're in there. I guess it's kind of like bargaining, right? If you start with a high number, then if half of that, if you lo- if you go 25% of that, that's $2.5 right? Whereas if you start at lower number and you get whittled down, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Again, that's my think, point. Dude, if you file a $10 I think billion also- dollar lawsuit, you could probably get a million bucks out of it. Right. I think it's also, I think it's also because it's on behalf of like 1,500 people. Right. Like deaths, family members of people deceased, and then everyone injured. Still crazy number. Astronomical. Um, um, but speaking of crazy numbers. Anyway. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Speaking but, uh, of crazy numbers and, and lots of money, uh, today's dump involves all that. We're talking about Tickle Me Elmo. Watch out. There's something funny going on. It's new Tickle Me Elmo. 
Your child tickles Elmo and he talks. That tickles. And laughs. Tickle him again and hold on because his whole body shakes with laughter. Oh, boy. Um, Tickle Me Elmo. It's, you know, people have mentioned it. It was a huge, huge craze. Um, you know, very, very, very well-known toy. It's one of, I would say, like, in our time, you had, you know, there's Cabbage Patch Kids, Beanie Babies, and Tickle Me Elmo. Like, those were, mm-hmm. like, the trampleable toys. Like, and, right. And dolls. And Tickle Me Elmo kind of was in between uh because it, you know it was pre beanie baby right and but then it, it's a little and, different though because it's not like it wasn't sought out for like increased value or anything it was just really fucking popular and we'll learn all about that right you know? and it was based off of an already existing character but one yes. that popped off and did it was really successful right so why is tickle me elmo a dump well it's a dump because once again we have a toy craze that uncovered the ugly primitive side of humanity and unlike other toy crazes this particular craze was the great equalizer no amount of money or influence could help you sidestep the demand making it one of the most sought after toys of all time it is also worth talking about because the toy still lives on to this day in several different incarnations which are all major sellers tickle me elmo is also a dump because the creator Creator of the character himself, well, not necessarily the creator, but the one, the person known for playing the the character, uh, he was at the center of literally the worst type of scandal someone who works with children could face. Yet the character still lives on untainted. It's almost as if Elmo exists in a universe all on his own, independent and outside of real life. Like there is no consequences for the the immense scandal that that followed the guy mm-hmm. who who played Elmo. But we're talking about the toy mostly, so. Who is Elmo? Where does he live? Elmo is a featured character on the long-running beloved children's show Sesame Street. Sesame Street has continued to be one of the most successful children's shows on television since it first aired on PBS in 1969. Noted for its inclusive cast, impressive puppeteering, and educational content, Sesame Street has become an American institution. I never liked it. I was going to I was going to ask just I was wondering if you had seen it or liked it cuz I Realize that's just a thing. I don't know about you, but you didn't like Sesame Street, and that checks out. Uh, I love Sesame Street, and I, I really like haven't thought about it. Like, like yeah. there's like there's some moments like on there where it's like Elmo visits like a sick kid, and you're just like bawling. Mm-hmm. This guy, like, yeah, pull it together. Yeah. I just love the 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 pup the puppets. Honestly, like that style of you know children's entertainment. Yeah, it's classic. You know, like just, but it's only classic yeah, because of Sesame Street. You know, like right, they, right. they made it yeah. the, the classic. But yeah, and it's always been, you know, the, the it's 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 been parodied so many times too because it's so easy to do like a not like Wonder Shows and comes to mind or Avenue Q, the, yeah. the musical Avenue Q, yeah, vulgar yeah. version of a kids show. Yep. Yeah, because it's so easy, but, it's so easy to do. But yeah. Sesame Street is very pure of heart, and also, I mean, they've just had every fucking major celebrity ever on that show, like James Gandolfini from The Sopranos <laughs> was mm-hmm. was and, on. Uh, on oh, um, and then the uh, Bert and Ernie with oh, uh, Bobby Bacalar and uh, Polly Walnuts and Oh man, Polly's got the um. <laughs> the same eyebrows as yeah 
Yeah, and, so yeah, and Bert and Ernie. They look I mean, like them. <laughs> like, there's so many characters that are like so iconic in Sesame Street that you forget that they're all on one show. Like fucking Big Bird is from Sesame Street, but so is Cookie Monster and Oscar the Grouch, and you know, and of course Elmo. So Elmo, Stacked he made cast. his he made his first appearance on Sesame Street in 1980 during the performance of the song "We Are Monsters." Several puppeteers took a crack at playing Elmo, but no one seemed to be able to give him a personality that would bring him from the background to the spotlight. That is, until 1985, when the character was given to puppeteer Kevin Clash, who became the driving force behind Elmo. While it took several people to properly operate the puppet and write for the character, it was Clash that voiced the puppet and took the lead on the puppeteering. So... Elmo was always a puppet that was just laying around. Like if they needed like a big musical number or lots of puppets in one shot, they'd pull out like these random extra ones. He wasn't like, you know, really, he, he was, was an extra lines or anything. Yeah. He, he was, was an extra. extra. He was an it extra. It was like how Tupac, you know, was a dancer for digital underground. Yeah. And then he stepped up. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Elmo is just like Tupac. <laughs> is what you're saying. And, uh, but Kevin Clash, like, he had the voice for it. Like, they, they came up with the character for it. So, basically, Elmo, he's three and a half years old. His birthday is February 3rd. I don't know why you need to know that. Um, he usually speaks in the third person, like, Elmo loves you. Elmo this. Elmo that. And, actually, he's been this because people will find a reason to complain about anything, um, in case you didn't know. And people actually complained about Elmo because they're like, he's teaching our kids to speak incorrectly. It's like, are you fucking crazy? Like so, Damn. like no, he's not. It's just Elmo. It's just, it's a red little furry monster that's not. Wow, you know. But uh, the, the, <laughs> uh, other people complained, you know, about him for other reasons that we'll get into. Um, but we'll also be hearing more about the man behind Elmo, Kevin Clash, a little later. So Elmo quickly became one of the most beloved characters on Sesame Street, holding his own alongside Big Bird, Bert and Ernie, Cookie Monster, and Oscar the Grouch. In fact, Elmo eventually would eclipse the popularity of the other characters and was referred to behind the scenes and by older Sesame Street fans as the Red Menace. The, like, which, <laughs> yeah, but like the, uh, the other puppeteers and the writers for the other characters, they saw this big Elmo takeover and they started calling it the red menace. And then once Elmo was really kind of in the forefront of the show, you know, predominantly. So, uh, you know, old school fans were like, God damn it. This fucking Elmo. He's not even an original character. Like I've been watching this show for 20 years now. And there was no Elmo. Now it's all Elmo, the red menace. Who's this fucking new guy? Yeah. Who's the, the fucking Elmo though. Elmo continues to be one of the most, if not the most popular character on the show, the absolute peak of the red menace was in 1996 with the release of an interactive stuffed toy dubbed Tickle Me Elmo. And that is the topic of the day. Uh, I totally remember this. I mean, this is, this is you know, right in the middle, right, right 1996. I, I was a kid. I didn't have one. I didn't want one. Again, I wasn't a Sesame Street fan. But mm -hmm. I 100% I remember hearing about this shit on the news. That was back in the day. Like, I feel like nowadays you don't hear about toys or video games or anything on the news. But in the 90s, like, toys were on the news all the time. Yeah, I guess because it's like video games now. I mean, I'm going to like sort of go boomer, but I know that like Roblox is like super popular. And I feel like I hear about Roblox, even though I don't have a kid and I'm not a kid. I and mean, it I seems hear about like, like that Minecraft and shit. Right. But that's um, different. You know, we're talking right. like a, it's not. Yeah. I, mean, I guess toys. I mean, I guess like fidget spinner, which I know we've talked about, like being a dump. And it's like it's but it's like 
I mean, I, I don't know. We just got to research. Like, if the guy, if the fidget spinner guy is a fucking psycho, then, like, yeah, probably. <laughs> but I feel like there's probably not enough to, like, just fidget spin on its own. Why? Well, it was it was no. stolen from a, a therapist that used them for her her child you know, right her children right patients. which was and then right someone so was had like a, oh a, like it, anyone could use one of these like you know right and it's it's pog-esque in its yeah. uh I have, origin I, had, I, I have one sitting right here i don't use I, it. I have one somewhere yeah but i yeah as i don't i didn't have a tickle me elmo and i guess i mean i guess also because then at that point maybe i was like no, actually, I was really the perfect age for it. Uh, I don't know why. I just didn't well, you know, know no, about it or loved want you enough it. to get you one. <laughs> That's it. You're neglected. <laughs> I, I just didn't want one. You fucking weren't given one. That's the That's the difference between you and I. Well, I don't remember. I don't remember wanting one. Okay, I didn't want one either. Yeah, the now legendary toy Tickle Me Elmo actually began as a nondescript toy called Tickles the Chimp. Tickles the Chimp was conceived by Ron Dubrin, and you know he had the idea after witnessing a. This sounds so weird, but he, he was sitting in a <laughs> yeah. in a in a park watching the kids play, uh, hoping for some toy inspiration. And he saw a tickle fight, and he's like, "Oh, like kids love tickling. Like let's <laughs> let's make a toy for that, which is uh, better than him getting in on it himself, I suppose." The toy was a plush chimpanzee with a voice box inside that would make laughing sounds when the chimp was squeezed or tickled. Tickles the Chimp was developed for the toy company Tyco. However, the chimp didn't excite the executives who had just acquired the licensing rights for Looney Tunes, so the Tickles technology was used in a Taz doll and eventually Bugs Bunny and Tweety Bird. This concept wasn't necessarily cutting edge, as there was also a tickleable Cabbage Patch Kid that came out you know, a little bit before. Um, the Looney Tunes dolls, they were fairly successful successful but the best had yet to come so Tyco acquired the plush license to sesame street before they only had the plastic license to make like figurines and another in uh hasbro had the plush license which is really crazy to think about like that there's mm -hmm. like okay yeah, you guys can make different. plastic shit you can make stuffed shit um right you know but when so you think about how much money can potentially be made then it makes sense but yeah I, until doing i've never thought about all these different licenses that happen in like the, right. the crazy, the behind the scenes, the, the laws, the cutthroat the world of toy licensing. world of toy making. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which we, you know, heard all about in, uh, well, both mm -hmm. the Cabbage Patch Kid and Beanie Babies. Yeah. Um, you know, th this is, this is right there. So they acquired the plush license to Sesame Street from Hasbro Toys in 1995 and the company's development team got to work. Elmo was becoming a main character on Sesame Street, but did not have a major toy line. So the Red Menace became the focus of the efforts to create a Sesame Street plush toy. The product that would eventually become Tickle Me Elmo was the brainchild of several toy inventors, including Ron Dubrin, Mark Johnson Williams, and Greg Hyman. Toys that made sounds were nothing new, but having an internal mechanism that was triggered by squeezing was relatively new, and Johnson Williams helped develop the latest version of the voice box. The creators realized that in order to set Elmo apart from other talking toys, they needed to up the ante, so they also developed a mechanism inside the toy that would cause it to shake. That's very important. One of the uh, main advertising executives for, for Tyco was like, hey, uh, we're going to show this thing on TV. You can't just like show someone squeezing a toy and it laughs like it doesn't it has to move. It has to do something. Mm -hmm. So they and then they at that same meeting, they all had like early versions of cell phones. And when they would ring, you know, they'd vibrate and they're like, oh, shit, like, let's do that. And that mm -hmm. that's the whole the, the whole thing. with I that. I know that 
like inventors invent lots of stuff, but like inventing <laughs> ways for toys to like move, Jiggle. react to tickling that like feels like the number one thing an inventor does, right? Like that's my image of right. Of well, what I an always picture does. these toy inventors. It's just Stu Pickles from Rugrats. Like, <laughs> right, just like right. Tinkering around in the basement, like this is the next great toy. Um, they also gave. I guess them it's yeah, maybe Robin Williams too. Kind of like the flubber, the flubber toys. Yeah, or character, in toys, you know, in the yeah, film toys, toys, yeah, yeah. That um, kind of makes me think of that. But yeah. they also gave the Elmo three different levels of laughter. So like, you tickle him at first, and he's like hee, hee, and then you tickle him again, and it's like whoa, and then a little bit more, and he just goes fucking hog wild. I uh, can't can't take being tickled. Now there were a few <laughs> obstacles the creators of Tickle Me Elmo would face during development. The executives at Tyco felt that the shaking of the doll was too similar to a seizure, so the movements had to be altered to an acceptable amount. The toy's sayings were also disputed. The bigwigs at Tyco thought that having a doll that screamed stop and no seemed a little too aggressive and creepy, so the script had to be altered as well to where he's just like, no. that tickles. Like, hee, I'm so really these, tickling. These are, these are good. This is a good, like, vetting process, you know? Like, these are... They're really considering things that would maybe create right. backlash. <laughs> right. Yeah, ex exactly. They, they, they had it all planned out. It's the perfect toy. But perhaps the strangest thing to happen during the creation of the toy was when Johnson Williams, who was in charge of developing the inner mechanics of Tickle Me Elmo, was placed on an FBI watch list as a possible suspect in the Unabomber case. Due to the vast amount of spare electronics he was ordering to create the Tickle Me technology, he was flagged by customs and the FBI briefly investigated him until they discovered that rather than anonymously sending mail bombs he was just building tickle me elmo <laughs> so he would get hey these, it's just it's, it's just a couple wires different that's all it is just a yeah, couple more wires a bomb and out a of a tickle me elmo and you just put and instead of plush uh soft cotton it's uh nails, nails and, and fucking broken glass all, that's that's just the difference right yeah yeah so. it, it, you know uh, every tickle me elmo is just one wire away from becoming a unibomb bomb mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah once the finishing touches were made, Tickle Me Elmo made its debut at the world-renowned Toy Fair in February of 1996. The toy was popular at the expo and was expected to be a big seller, but not in any way that could be described as a phenomenon. Now, uh, notoriously at the, like everyone loved Tickle Me Elmo for some reason. I mean, it's adorable. Let's just get that out there. It is, it is adorable. Elmo and Elmo is fucking adorable. Like the Elmo character, is goddamn the voice, fucking adorable. Yeah. The voice is so perfect. Yeah. Yeah, Elmo loves you. Yeah, uh, but Al <laughs> Roker, you know the the you know t TV personality and the famed weatherman. Al Roker also amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's yes. got some great. Well, and this was back when he was really huge. He was known for being like a gigantic man, and uh, so he's like <laughs> belly laughing with this tickle me Elmo like during like the coverage of of the Toy Fair, and that was like this iconic thing where it's like, hey, look, look, look how hard it makes Al Roker laugh, and like right, that right. starts you know turning the wheels. Um, the packaging too was really one. Of the main selling points because it had a try me option where you could like poke his tummy and oh, it, the and hole make it in the plastic yeah right and wow. that was that was huge that. but what they did yeah. was they put like a one of those little slips that you pull out once you buy it um so you could only make it laugh on the first level you had to actually buy it to unleash the full tickle potential and get the uh, the next two levels of tickling Fucking genius but that was yeah that, i mean a, that was that was wow. huge so people in the store could do it and eventually what this led to was like 
like this phenomenon of people going into toy stores and if they saw a stuffed animal, they would like squeeze it or like touch it, like to see if it made right. sound. Like Tickle Me Elmo was so big, it like pretty much made it so your stuffed animal has to do something now. Otherwise, it's, right. it's bullshit. And just the concept of cutting the little hole out of the, the plastic packaging is something I've until now never even considered that someone had to invent that because that yeah. is perfectly in the time where like as a kid i just sometimes you had it and you got to try and right. press the button and it's like well, that's, and, and, that's really wild but the the genius part like on top of that is that you could only get the first level so what that did was it made it so like the batteries wouldn't die uh before they mm -hmm. got sold and also so kids wouldn't like get tired of it in the store you know what i mean like oh i They'd be like, I, oh i, I seen, seen it all it. yeah yeah the promise of of a greater of a greater tickle of a greater tickle <laughs> <laughs> exactly so tickle me elmo was officially released to the public in july of 1996 it was expected that 100,000 units would sell but after rosie o'donnell showed the toy on her show in september of 1996 the expected sales jumped to 1 million units this news was a double-edged sword while it was great that the expected units jumped literally 10 times the initial projection Tyco was completely unprepared to produce that many more elmos and this is where the storm begins and the clouds come in and everything starts turning and and becoming the dump the craze yeah yes mm -hmm. th this is where the dump happens so elmo was quickly becoming the fastest selling toy in the country and as the holiday season grew nearer it was clear that there was going to be a shortage of tickle me elmos the toy seemingly began to sell itself so much so that Tyco had to cut back on their advertising because there just weren't enough Elmos to satisfy the massive unexpected demand. As we learned from our past dumps on Beanie Babies and Cabbage Patch Kids, once something becomes difficult to obtain, the perceived value skyrockets. And that's mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. So it like, you know, it, it was released. It had about just a couple months before holiday time when everyone's gonna buy the newest toy. Rosie O'Donnell, her show was huge. I mean, I think she's single-handedly responsible for making the adventure of Kush balls like a fucking gajillionaire. Uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if Rosie played with a toy on on her show, uh that that was gonna be the toy. And, right, and you know, right. and, and that happened, but already, you know, th they weren't expecting a little a plush toy for little kids to be such a thing. You know what I mean? They're like, this is a huge license, popular character, but to mm -hmm. go from a hundred thousand to a million, like, yeah, it, like ordered, it's yeah. just, mm -hmm. it's just too crazy. So soon, people began hoarding Tickle Me Elmos and attempting to resell them. The retail price for the doll was thirty-five dollars, but soon, independent sellers were listing Elmos at two to three hundred dollars, and in some cases, over one thousand dollars. The toy scarcity did not discriminate. In fact, there are several stories of executives of rival toy companies contacting Tyco in hopes of scoring even just a couple Elmos, oftentimes offering a trade of whatever their hottest seller was. For instance, this is also when Nintendo 64 came out. Nintendo sent over like a pallet of N64s to Tyco to, to get... You know, to, to get some nice. Elmos. Harvey Weinstein, uh, he provided the executives at, at Tyco, like he gifted them all these unreleased movies and like all the screeners for like the, the Oscars that year and like like, oh all, like whatever he could to get a couple. Like this isn't to get like enough for a store. This is to get just some for your kids, you know? Yeah. Um, and John well, Gotti Jr. It becomes well. a status symbol, 
you know, in right. addition. It's like if you could do it. it it's like proving it's like, that yeah. you love your kid the most by getting exactly. him this bullshit thing. But right. yeah, John Gotti Jr., the son of the infamous mob boss, John Gotti, he was actually seen purchasing a pallet of Elmo's from a Toys R Us loading bay and giving the guy like a huge wad of cash for it. And probably Dude, slinging, is, we're slinging Elmo's now. That is literally the like, it fell off the back of the truck. Like right, that is, but it's tickle me almost like, instead of like fucking VCRs or whatever the fuck or Pokemon cards. Pokemon, Pokemon cards. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. God damn it. Um, also, Cartier offered a free tickle me Elmo with the purchase of one of their one million dollar necklaces. So if you were if you were really desperate to get an Elmo and you had a million bucks, like if you had a million dollars to spend on a necklace, you still couldn't get an Elmo. Like that's how, yeah. like that. That's, that's why I insane. said it's the great equalizer because there was no like, yeah. like with Beanie Babies, if you had you a, all the money chain. in the world, you could buy all the fucking Beanie Babies. With Cabbage right. Patch it Kids, just, you know this thing, like Elmos, there just wasn't enough of them. So uh, you know, you, if you had a million bucks, you could buy a necklace and get one, but you couldn't go to the store and buy an Elmo. You had to actually go and buy a million dollar necklace. I feel like it needs to be a diamond encrusted Elmo at that point. I'm sure there probably. is. There's, we'll get into there. There's been a ton of Elmos <laughs> since. Uh, Tycho was accused of stoking the demand by underproducing Elmos, which was not the case at all. But frustrated parents desperately searching for Elmos began to point the finger at anyone they could. There was even reported bomb threats at Tycho headquarters as a result of the shortage. Like people Damn. are like, I'm literally going to blow up your fucking building if I don't get a tickle me Elmo. There's a lot of bombs in this story. There's the Unabomber thing. There's bomb threats. There's a lot of bombs, a lot of bombs in the 90s. I don't want to. I don't want to be insensitive and but like Well, the 90s were the bomb, dude. Like that's <laughs> when they said shit was the bomb. Yeah, you had also the Oklahoma bombing. There was a bombing at the Atlanta Centennial Olympics. Yeah, Eric Rudolph, you yeah. know. Yeah, the, the you, nine, uh World Trade Center before it fell to the planes, it was bombed. That, that's, Is that's bombing a culture dump? <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, no. you know, I, I would say if we were ever going to go the well, true now crime shootings, route, which there's plenty of true crime sh uh, yeah. podcasts out there. We don't need to, you know, that's why I didn't do that. But um, it was something that would be a, a crossover bombing slash culture dump true crime thing is when they put the Boston Marathon bomber on the cover of Rolling Stone. Like, oh, right. Uh, and that, that was very 2000s. That, yeah, that, that, that's crazy shit. So the Tickle Me Elmo craze reached its violent climax on December 14th, 1996 in New Brunswick, Canada, when Walmart employee Robert Walker was trampled by bloodthirsty customers willing to do anything to get their hands on a Tickle Me Elmo. The store had received 48 Elmo dolls to sell, but a crowd of over 300 people gathered at the store. With no reservation system in place, it was a first-come, first-serve situation that resulted in Robert Walker sustaining a concussion a broken rib, and a pulled hamstring. Pulled his hammy. Uh, the story made international headlines and is still considered to be one of the most notorious moments in consumerism. It's yeah. in, it's insane. I mean, like That's when you crazy. see footage of people, and other people were hurt. Um, and again, mm -hmm. this is like, you mentioned that Jingle All the Way was actually being produced right. at this time, so there's no way that this was the but, inspiration. But what's crazy about Jingle All the Way, which we also talk about, on our Patreon oh, yeah, uh, our, our for Christmas being a nice episode. little uh, culture dumps nugget within that movie is that Jingle All the Way came out in November of 96 and then this incident was December of 96 and obviously the movie was coming out in pre preparation for the holidays 
Um, and it was inspired by mainly like the Cabbage Patch right. um, frenzied like sort of fights and riots, if you will. So just the, <laughs> the, cabbage, but the, patch, the cabbage Patch riot. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying like the timing of the movie and this incident is just crazy that it would yeah. happen. You know, just be like they na- they th- that now must be one of those weird things. When, yeah. Like when you're like a producer of a movie, you're like, wow. We couldn't have like asked for for better or worse timing. I don't know who's to say. Right, but yeah, I mean it's nuts just to be trampled. I mean people have died at Black Fridays and stuff. There's worse ex- examples, but like mm-hmm. the whole thing with this is that it's a fucking tickle me Elmo. It's a little Elmo that you tickle, and people are getting right. fucking crushed <laughs> like for for this shit. Like m- m- you know, multi millionaires are having to bri- like the mafia is involved for fuck's sake. You know, right. the FBI has been involved. This story is fucking gnarly. So by the end of 1997, five million Tickle Me Elmos had been sold. But despite the massive success, Tyco was purchased by Mattel for an astounding $737 million. According to Mattel executives, due to the popularity of the original Tickle Me Elmo, as well as later versions yet to be released at that time, that $737 million has been paid back several times over. Uh, and it's, and yeah. it's mostly due to, to Elmo is, is what they said. Like it was worth buying Tyco just to get the tickle me Elmo and, and get the Sesame street license. Um, that's ballsy to be doing that right in the, the pitch of this as well, the fever pitch, but maybe yeah. in part because if they couldn't meet the demand, that was probably a huge motivation of the, of them buying right. it. Right. And like, I, we I can mean, actually pump these out. That, well, I think that when if, if it's a licensed thing, like if it's if it was just like a, a one off deal, you know, that was its own thing and not like a character from something, I think it'd be different. But because it was the license and Elmo was so popular, like what what they what the company saw actually was that they would they would create other Elmo dolls. And if you couldn't get the tickle me Elmo, the parent would just be like, ah, fuck it. I'll just grab whatever other Elmo there is. So everything mm-hmm. else that was Elmo was selling like crazy too to make up for right. the the lack of But then Elmos. but then you got the but then you got the kid it's not tickle me Elmo. Yes. I want to tickle me when Elmo. That's you have the life's not fair talk with your child. You say, "You know what? <laughs> yeah. In life, not every Elmo gets tickled." You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so sometimes you get a sometimes you get fucking tickle me cooking monster or whatever. The success of Tickle Me Elmo paved the way for many other popular Sesame Street and Elmo toys, including my favorite Tickle Me Extreme TMX is literally what it's like, and it's and it's the most intense Tickle Me Elmo yet. This fucker gets tickled like you have. A, it, it comes in what looks like like a metal box, like with like the diamond, you know, like metal diamond oh, the, etching. the rivets. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. like, and it's like a lock on it. And it's like, careful, this shit's extreme. And like, you take him out and that fucker just like, Ehh! like he just laughs and goes fucking so cra- crazier than any Tickle Me Elmo before. But there was also like an Elvis Elmo that would do a little dance, a chicken dance Elmo, a one on a pogo stick. A lot of other characters got similar toys. They were all very popular. Uh, Tickle Me Elmo and its counterparts remain some of the best-selling toys to this day. And if you were to add up the profits from all of the Tickle Me spinoffs, it could be argued that Elmo-based plush toys are, like, the most popular toys in history. If you want to do it dollar by dollar, uh, Elmo and Sesame Street shit is fucking huge. Yeah, makes sense. Elmo has his Checks own late out. night show now on on HBO Max. He like, interviews folks and on HBO Max. 
Yeah, well, because they acquired Sesame Street, so Sesame Street's oh, on HBO shit. Max too. But yeah, he's got yeah. But, I wish it was like raunchy or something like. Yeah, a well, yeah, just show. thinking of like HBO's like normal shows, like tons yeah. of violence, sex, nudity, <laughs> the Red Menace, um, dude. Uh, but menace. now let's get to the uh, the juicy stuff here. Um, the man behind the Red Menace, Kevin Clash, is one of the most accomplished puppeteers in the history of entertainment. While he is best known for the 28 years he spent playing Elmo on Sesame Street, he has been involved in many puppet-based films and television shows, including Captain Kangaroo, The Labyrinth, Muppets in Space, Dark Crystal, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, as well as several other Muppets television specials and and also the TV show Dinosaurs, which is my favorite. Uh, in oh yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, dude, Love there's fucking people in those things. It's fucking yeah. mind-blowing. It still blows my mind. <laughs> in 2011, he was the focus of the critically praised documentary Being Elmo, A Puppeteer's Journey. Uh, it's sad. Well, for many reasons, it's sad that what I'm about to say happened. But um, if that hadn't happened, that would, that would if you want to cry, watch Being Elmo. Holy fuck, what a moving goddamn movie uh it shows jim henson's <laughs> funeral because he was oh, like jim henson was his mentor yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. he also worked with like frank oz you know like every legendary puppet person mm -hmm. but at jim henson's funeral like fucking big bird comes out and and sings it's not easy being green with just a piano and like says goodbye to his friend kermit it's like the fucking most heart-wrenching thing and then wow. they all sing uh if just one person believed in you and like it's all the puppets like in a big choir like in the, ca <laughs> wow, the casket that, yeah, that yeah, yeah, I'm getting for emotional talking about it right now um, but yeah yeah and, and it shows that and he's like crying talking about that and it also shows him like being Elmo like for kids and the kids just talk right to Elmo even though this guy is obviously standing right there with his hand up his ass you know like <laughs> it, it's this whole thing so after the release of the Being Elmo documentary, Kevin Clash found new fame as himself. His name became synonymous with puppet-based entertainment and the happiness of millions of children, not unlike his mentor Jim Henson. However, in November of 2012, 23-year-old Sheldon Stevens accused Clash of sexually abusing him when he was 16 years old. Clash denied abuse allegations, but did admit to having a consensual sexual relationship with Stevens. Uh, it, it doesn't add up, uh, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's like, if he's 16, he's fucking 16, you know? Um, right. Consensual or not. Yeah. The investigation that followed found clash innocent of any wrongdoing and Stevens recanted his accusations. However, another young man named Cecil Singleton came forward shortly after with similar accusations and the court cleared clash of the charges, mostly due to the statute of limitations on the crimes he was accused of in New York. At that time, the law stated that such accusations must be made within six years of the crime happening or within three years of the victim turning 21 years old. While Clash was cleared of the charges, he was forced to resign from Sesame Street and announced that despite his 17-year marriage to a woman, that he was a gay man. The shockwaves caused from this scandal were immeasurable. This was huge. When, when yeah, fucking Elmo was accused. And I think people, you know, it's, it's one of those things where people didn't really understand the case. I mean, again, you know, all abuse is absolutely awful, but people were thinking like, small small children you know not mm -hmm. like older teenagers that were like like yeah. working under him and like interning for him and stuff as a puppeteer right you, but you, you know just I mean? I mean in any case it's bad but there's something that just makes it more viscerally 
an extra an extra layer of discomfort and disgust because you're thinking you're thinking about elmo like elmo didn't want to have nothing yeah. to do with this right elmo's right. just in the middle of all this but you're still like that's such a such synonymous with kids and yeah you're just kind of imagining the worst that because of him being a puppeteer right you know that, and, you the know, access and, and to being around the children access. that's the that's the huge thing uh you know and the, also it didn't fucking help the case that you know the biggest fucking elmo Besides Elmo just existing, the thing everyone knew him from was Tickle Me Elmo, and now you have, like, sexual abuse allegations with, like, a Tickle Me toy, and just the jokes were just, like, fucking flying out of everyone. Like, don't yeah. Tickle Me Elmo. Seems like, hey, like tickles some Elmo. Howard Stern, SNL, yes. everyone type of, very, yeah. Very, very Sternish. Shock yeah. Jock Radio. However, despite all of that, Clash continues working with Jim Henson Studios to this day on several projects, and while he no longer puts himself in the spotlight, his career as a puppeteer lives on. And that is the tale of Tickle Me Elmo and a little bit about the guy behind the puppet, Kevin Clash. Uh, yeah. what, a, what a nasty scandal. I mean, fucking Elmo. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like we can't have anything. It's like how Barney, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to compare the two guys, but, you know, like the, the Barney guy, we talked about how he's like a tantric sex masseuse. Right. And like, it's like, but, it's like, you know, <laughs> at the same totally time, different, and of course, it's disturbing that he's a tantric sex guy, but only because of Barney. And it's sort of, in you know, it's not, it's like, hey, he's doing what he wants to do. And uh, he can't be Barney all the fucking time, right? That's not yeah, fair. Yeah, Barney's got a fuck, dude. Yeah, um, making, that does make me think, woman. and I, I probably mentioned it in the Barney episode, but that movie Death to Smoochie, yes. that was this like very critically panned satirical take on the uh, the children's entertainment industry, which uh, still has some, some great moments in it. Uh, yeah, Danny no, DeVito and Robin Williams are in it. And then it also reminded me of, um, of Jimmy Seville, and Gary Glitter, which yeah. I think might have to be a dump because someone, I was talking to someone and they didn't know about that shit. And I just thought that that was like big time. I would say and that Jimmy Seville is probably too big, uh, but Gary Glitter for sure could be a dump because it's like I that mean, fucking song. And like, y'all, yeah, I mean, I'm just like, I don't know. If y'all don't know about Gary Glitter, you know, I feel like that we might, if people don't know, because that's just really crazy. I mean, that's kind yeah, of what you like I doing guess the music ones, write, write, write it up. I guess dude, that's what down. you would as, you'd assume, like you know, with the you know, that's the that's like the worst case scenario of an adult putting on children's entertainment and then being able to be around lots of kids, yeah, and then doing fucked up shit. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what does it all mean? What does Tickle Me Elmo mean? I guess it means that a loving parent's determination knows no bounds. There are some parents who would rather put a young man in the hospital than come home without their child's most desired toy. It also speaks to the hornet's nest-like frenzy that capitalism and consumerism can cause if the circumstances are just right. While us jaded former children might turn up our noses to the rise of computer and phone-based games, maybe it is safer to buy Angry Bird add-ons and Fortnite skins than to charge the doors of an unopened toy store in hopes of grabbing a Tickle Me Elmo. 
<laughs> uh, keeping folks safer through technology, better living through technology, better living through uh, no more tickle me almost. Uh, happy New Year, guys! <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, start off your New Year correctly by subscribing to Patreon.com/slash Culture Dumps, where we have all of our exclusive side series like Docu Dumps, where we discuss our favorite documentaries, and also Squirts, where we talk about whatever we want. Uh, we have a, <laughs> a quite lengthy one that uh, we, where we discuss Rosie O'Donnell. Uh, as we mm-hmm. talked about Rosie mm-hmm. in this episode, I was, I was not just about, about Rosie that. O'Donnell, but, uh, yeah. but that's a, that's a good one. Lots of good stuff there. So patreon.com slash culture dumps, follow us on Instagram at culture dumps. Make sure you rate and like, and subscribe and all that stuff. Leave a review on whatever you're listening to this on. Uh, I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been joined by parks Miller. Keep on dumping. <laughs>